So we split them into Monday and Wednesdays and we do a four week series, a plant-based kickstart where I do Wednesdays and I'll, we'll do the, the, the evidence. We'll go, we'll go through the basics of the science, whatever the topic might be and discussion. And then on Mondays, Chrissy leads a cooking demonstration. They get a bunch of recipes. They get the how to, she tells them like, how do I physically do this? And we offer it that it's one subscription per household because we want people to succeed. If everybody's involved in this, not only are we giving them the information, hopefully we're making it fun. Uh, which I think is really key. And we're creating community around that rather than creating a barrier and saying, you do something totally different than what your husband is doing. Welcome to the Plant-Based DFW Podcast Weekly Show with Dr. Riz and Maya. Our podcast focuses on lifestyle medicine, which is the use of evidence-based lifestyle therapeutic approaches, such as a whole food plant-based diet, regular physical exercise, adequate sleep and stress management to treat and even reverse the lifestyle-related chronic diseases that are all too prevalent. Every week, we will feature physicians, dietitians, health coaches, and everyday people who will share their stories and speak on one of these lifestyle medicine modalities. Let's meet today's podcast guest. For years, Dr. Susanna Bazzoni was prescribing medicine, which she herself would not have taken. She grew frustrated by the seemingly incurable state of our most prevalent, deadly, and costly chronic diseases. Then she found lifestyle medicine, which is not only strongly evidence-based, but resonated with her desire to treat herself, her family, and her patients more in accordance with nature's guidance, and most importantly, addressing diseases from their root causes, rather than covering up symptoms. Best of all, this method empowers patients rather than dictating dependence on our pharmaceutically driven medical system. Dr. Bazzoni completed training as a yoga instructor in 2009, and in 2017, she became a diplomat of the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. In this episode, Dr. Bazzoni shares with us her path towards discovering lifestyle medicine. We learn about her community-based programs, which are focused on diet, exercise, sleep, emotional health, and stress management to achieve optimal health. She is the co-founder of True Health Journey. Dr. Bazzoni has so much wonderful energy and I really enjoyed having a conversation with her. The next Plant-Based Nutrition Kickstart 101 program begins as this episode is being released. So around March 3rd, uh, you might want to sign up for this. This is a virtual eight session series. And Dr. Bazzoni will tell us about that Kickstart program and what it entails. So it includes the foundations of balanced plant-based nutrition, recipes, the science in comparison to other common diet beliefs, the how-to, and plenty of fun discussion with herself and her business partner, certified health coach and registered nurse, Christine Smith. Finally, Dr. Bazzoni will give us a couple of tips on how to start a healthier lifestyle. So make sure that you check the show notes for all the links um, and so that you can register for this program. Thanks again for listening. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Let's get started with your story. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started and about your background in lifestyle medicine. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So so currently I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the heart of the South, uh, which is actually where I was raised but not born. So I was born in New York. Um, my father was a Marine undercover narcotic and um, I mean, you know, and, and a cop. And so um, my mother was a professional dancer and they moved down to, to her state, her home state of Tennessee when I was about three. So I was raised here. 
but really got my start in lifestyle medicine uh, when I was practicing in California. So, so backing up a little bit more, um, I did have an overall very healthy upbringing, though certainly not plant-based, very far from, but, but very active. I was on a swimming scholarship to college, so always really active in sports, and, and vegetables were always present. So I'm thankful for that. I mean, my dad had us put wheat germ on our cereal, which was strange, but, but still... <laughs> You know, so we, we had, thank, thankfully, um, some really strong influence from, from our parents growing up. But, um, but after college at Davidson, uh, I went to medical school in Memphis, in the, again, the heart of the South, and just unfortunately, some incredibly lifestyle-driven diseases, uh, very prevalent, and then, and then worked in a Spanish-speaking clinic because I deferred my residency because I was like, I don't, I don't want to you know, give a, my intern year to something where I'm not totally convinced what it is I want to do. So I, def but I knew I wanted to speak Spanish and I knew I wanted to get really strong in that. And so, so I, I worked in Nashville, Tennessee um, at a clinic called Medicos para la Familia. And it just really got, you know, had enough Spanish to where they hired me, but just was amazing. I did everything in primary care from, from draining abscesses to full OB ultrasounds and telling moms, are they having a boy or a girl? I mean, it was just amazing. And it was fully immersion in Nashville and, and had this great opportunity to, to have that experience and was so enthralled by that, that I went to Denver for my family medicine residency. And in Denver, it was uh, University of Colorado, Denver, and, and I worked in the track that was predominantly, it was attached to the refugee clinic. And so what I learned there was not just, you know, we are of course very immersed in the guidelines and, the, and, and following the guidelines and evidence-based, evidence-based that's very, very high up there. But when you're working with refugees, you have to meet them where they are. You know, you're working with people that are coming from Africa had never seen snow and they're, they find themselves in winter in Denver, Colorado, you know, and, and so it's, it's just very different. They don't know what a pharmacy is. They don't know, you know, you're lear teaching, learning yourself. How do you get the bus to the pharmacy? I don't know, you know, and so you really have to comprehend that no matter how strong you are in the guidelines, that if you don't meet a patient where they are, you're never going to help them. You know, even if they need an antibiotic for their infection, they're never going to find it unless you understand where they're coming from. And, and so that's kind of been just this recurrent theme that, that constantly I get so excited about the information. You know, I, I started working in Sonoma, California um, from Denver and Denver is a very fit place overall. Um, and, and, but, but then went to Sonoma, California, also much more health conscious than Memphis. Mm -hmm. than, than Tennessee had been, but, but really was being asked, you know, all of these questions about lifestyle that I felt like I should know, you know, I, by that time I was a certified yoga instructor. So everyone just assumed I was vegetarian though. I, they, they knew, and I didn't yet. <laughs> and, and they would ask me things about lifestyle and I was telling them things that were, I don't know. I just had heard. And I thought, why don't I know the answers to this? Like, this seems pretty basic stuff. What should they be eating to address their diabetes? And what should they be eating to address their chronic disease? And, and I truly didn't know. So to bring that all to culminate in 2014, I went to my first lifestyle medicine conference in San Diego and was like, <laughs> you know, when you just find your tribe 
and you uh-huh. find and you and they were just saying uh, you know I, I heard Dean Ornish and I heard Esselstyn and I heard Gregor and I and I was just like you know first I, I was like is this really true how is it I've never heard this mm-hmm. you know it's it's just amazing but I was just completely blown away and finally found the answers and the evidence-based answers which is just outstanding that that I had been wanting to know for so long had been asked had been you know and and yet it kind of felt gypped because I'd never heard it Mm -hmm. and it was so established for so many years prior to to that conference and so that's kind of how I began my journey where where though I felt like I was living a healthy lifestyle um only when I when I met lifestyle medicine and I saw other jaws dropping with mine to, to find that this was the driver of all the diseases that I was not seeing get better and all the medications that I wouldn't take myself yet I didn't know how to answer how to not take them you know so so it's it's been kind of a, a really exciting time you were already practicing yoga and eating well so did you have to do much training well yeah you know but i have to say so so i took the first year that they offered the board exam was 2017 and and you know though i paid for it myself you know my my i was in tennessee by that time and the where i was working at that time you know they didn't offer support for that but i was just like this is this is i need this you know and so i loved studying for it. It was the most fun exam I've ever had to study for because because this was all the questions. This was all the papers I wanted to read. This was like, it gave me the reason to, to dive into the evidence that I had been longing for for so long. And so, so certainly, you know, I wasn't doing everything right by far. I was, I was exercising. And if I don't exercise, I'm obviously very high energy. So that's something that I really have to do. You know, there's, um, there's some things that you, you kind of get committed to. So thankfully that was one of them already, but I I have to say not until recently was I sleeping and that's obviously incredibly Mm. important. And, and my nutrition complete really changed. I mean, the vegetables and whole foods were present. Um, the change when I got off of dairy, when I got off of meat and, and, was really dramatic. So that was a very big transition. Um, but thankfully not coming from highly processed foods, but still a very significant transition for me in, in terms of nutrition. Um, since that really since that 2014 first conference, when I first heard the data, we're going to touch on some of the programs that you have. Also, you were doing in person programs. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and how you've gone also virtual just like everyone else? Yes, absolutely. So something that I think is incredibly important, especially, I think it's important wherever you are, um, in especially in America, but um, particularly in the Southeast, you know, because just like Dan Buettner says with the Blue Zones, we need to make community, we need to make the way we live uh, healthy as a default. You know, and that's really why it succeeds to a large degree in, in the blue zones. It's because that's the norm. And unfortunately, you know, for patients living in America, it is not the norm to live healthy, to, to exercise regularly, to eat plants. I mean, you know, when you look at less than 12% of what we eat is plant-based, really closer to 6% is whole healing plants. You know, we've got a big battle to fight and we're fighting it. Uh, without community and without support. And, and so that's why I think it's very important to know that, you know, though we know that a whole food plant-based diet is the most optimal diet, knowledge is not enough. 
because what I was finding when I was working with patients individually in the, in the, in the sick care system, mm-hmm. um, that is well-intended, I, I believe <laughs> truly still. Um, but unfortunately I was working with patients and, and then I was like, you know, when I was so excited and, and for me, all I had to hear was the data and it was like, boom, I've done it. Right. But I didn't have these barriers. And so when you work with patients that are living in the Southeast, that are, that are married to smokers that are, you know, whatever the, that are incredibly stressed out, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. And, and you tell them eat a plant-based diet, you know, uh-uh. you know, you know, for very few people. And I saw very few people that was enough, just give them the information. But the unfortunate truth is we've, you know, what I was doing and what I was seeing was I was saying, okay, let's try to do this. And they were, I was creating stress for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it was creating obstacles. Well, my husband likes to eat meat and, and this is what, you know, and, and, and so it was creating more stress. And so it, with my best intentions, initially, I was just like, you know, we've got to go about this differently. So we started making group visits initially when I was still in the typical medical system. Because, and those were just amazing creating, you know, where instead of saying things over and over 20 times a day, you say it once and then people have a discussion around it. And it means much more from, you know, other patients learning from each other than it does from me telling them to do something. And so, so I was working with and still work with my amazing health coach and nurse and, and diabetic educator and all things wonderful, Christy Smith. And, and we, we were doing it and we were like, why are we sacrificing a perfect opportunity to meet a broken system? Mm. You know? And so, so we decided we would just come out of the system and do it how we felt it needed to be done, where I can work with patients as much as long as they need to be worked with so that we can see results and we can create programs that I don't have to check insurance boxes to, to get reimbursed for, but rather to create community around it so that what we do now, and initially we were doing live, live courses once a week, and we do it for two hours. And so in that time, I would give a presentation, we'd do a Q&A, Chrissy would do a cooking demo and we'd feed them a full three course plant-based meal. And so, and that was just lovely. It was, it was really great. And we did some around lifestyle medicine, the pillars, where we talk about um, stress and purpose and movement. And we do get some resistance bands out and just give them a, you know, a kitchen sink workout kind of situation. Uh, we talked about sleep. We talked about nutrition. And then we did a plant-based kickstart series, which is really getting diving deep into a plant-based diet. What do they need to know? How does it compare to keto or paleo or these other things that we hear so that we can address the confusion that unfortunately pervades and um, and then when COVID hit, it was actually it was really fascinating. I, I had that I, I started teaching um, through a yoga studio who uh, a, a very dear friend of mine runs here in town, and I was teaching yoga anatomy for injury prevention through her teacher training and lifestyle medicine for that. And so then she said, "Why don't we partner and do your kickstart through the yoga studio?" And so, uh, okay, so this sounds good. So, so we started doing these through Zoom and, it's, and because you can't really Zoom for two hours. I mean, I could because I can obviously talk to the hind leg off a donkey, but, but most people, they're done after about an hour. So we split them into Monday and Wednesdays and we do a four-week series, a plant-based kickstart 
where I do Wednesdays and I'll, we'll do the, the, the evidence. We'll go, we'll go through the basics of the science, whatever the topic might be and discussion. And then on Mondays, Chrissy leads a cooking demonstration. They get a bunch of recipes. They get the how to, she tells them like, this is the best chopper, you know, <laughs> you know just like the, how do I physically do this? And we offer it that it's one subscription per household because we want people to succeed. And if I say, okay, you have to pay, you know, as the wife, but the husband can't pay or whatever, then I'm creating obstacles. And so, so if everybody's involved in this, not only are we giving them the information, hopefully we're making it fun, uh, which I think is really key. And we're creating community around that rather than creating a barrier and saying, you do something totally different than what your husband is doing, you know, then it, it just, it just doesn't work as well. So, so that's what we're doing now. And it, and it actually, I think works um, really well. And we can, and they can keep the videos and they can watch them if they can't log in live. So they get the video access and all the resources for three months. That's awesome. And so that kind of allowed you to kind of expand and other people can sign up, not just the lo local community or patients. Right? Exactly. So, so I have actually a, a, another dear friend in, in, in Denver, a nurse practitioner who's, who's been a great friend of mine for a long time. She's doing the class now because she's like, I want to learn this stuff and we don't get it. You know, we don't get in medical system. I have another friend I went to medical school with who's a pediatric nephrologist and she's taking the class. And so it's just been, it is it, actually really opened up um, so much more of the community that I think is, is really needed right now that we can unite around something positive and inspirational in a time where rather than around things that we hate, <laughs> you know, right. but we come together around positive change. And, and that's, I think, exactly what we need to do mm -hmm. um, around lifestyle medicine so that it can stick so that we can make it the default one day. This is the kind of content that I also would like to bring more of to our listeners. You're trained in something that I also have never heard of, which is forest yoga. forest yoga. Can you tell us what that's about? Yes, absolutely. So, so you don't have to do it in the forest. Okay. Right <laughs> of the first you, I guess you could, I don't know that I ever have, but it's named after Anna Forest, who is the creator of it. And it's a, it's a vinyasa style practice. So it's, it's, it is quite a challenging flow. Um, but the reason why it really spoke to me was for a couple of reasons. You know, I think there's a lot of ways to enter the yoga door. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think, and they're beautiful, all of them. And, and there's a lot of different styles and, and it's important to keep searching until you find the one for you. And so it was the one for me, not to say it's the one for everyone, but, but for the reasons of, it was my, it was completely my sanity in, in residency. I mean, it was what I looked forward to after I would finish clinic or after, you know, I would get out of there. I would do as many classes as I, as, as I could possibly squeeze into my schedule. And, but I started to notice that this particular style, which I didn't even know was forest yoga, cause they didn't call it, they called it vinyasa in the studio. Um, when I was in sports medicine clinic and I was seeing all these rotator cuff injuries and I was noticing that we were doing these particular exercises that created space in the shoulder joint and, and would actually combat this head forward posture. And the, you know, we're always on the computer leaning forward and all these things. And it was really kind of this, this space and context. And, and also um, though it is a very difficult uh, or, or there's a lot of challenging poses you could do, um, she always keeps your neck relaxed. And I have so much neck tension just at my baseline. And so when, when I would go to a class and, and in triangle and somebody tells me like, to go like this and like crank my neck up. And I was like, 
that's just, it just doesn't feel good. Like I have enough going on right here. I just didn't really, it didn't resonate. And, and it was very um, strong with core and with spine, uh, just the alignment and creating space in the joints I found mm-hmm. really appealed to me in terms of, you know, I need some intensity. So it's very much that, but it doesn't rush through creating injuries. And um, you really breathe to match your struggle. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, um, what I, I mean, there's so many positives and so many different styles of yoga, but what I feel is something that we need strongly is to get connected to our body and not afraid of it. And to, and to kindly without criticism, begin to notice things that we do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if we're just, you know, spinning through a flow and we're like, up, down, 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 da, 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 you know, and we're just like, you know, it, it's like a dance. We don't really get the moment to connect and breathe to that and notice that, you know what, if I'm in this warrior two for long enough, things begin to shake. <laughs> you know, I begin to create tension that maybe I don't need. And if I can begin to breathe to match my struggle in whatever pose it is, Mm-hmm. I have a perfect opportunity to match breath to my struggle in whatever I'm doing, but not be afraid of it, mm-hmm. you know, cause we, and so, so often I see patients who they fear things, they fear sensations in their body and they're told the feedback is you have acid reflux. I give you Prilosec. Don't feel it, but numb it. And, and when you feel it, there's, that's a problem. And so, and then, and I would, you know, in the same context, you'd say, oh, you have acid reflux. No, 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 it's fine as long as I take my Prilosec. Pain, you know, to me, to, I think a lot of people, when I work with patients, I find that so much of sensation is fear. So I like that you're touching on that uh, subject. And I, I want, I want to know if we can just explore it a little bit more. When you start to feel anxiety, it's the physiological aspect of what's going on is what scares people. Is that what you're talking about? Like, when you're saying that patients are afraid to feel what's going on in their body? Yeah, to, to a large degree. I mean, I think it's different for every patient. But I think sensation, like, like, and I'll just give like an example that comes to mind where say you went to an orthopedic and he said, man, you're bone on bone. I'm going to see you back here for knee replacement, mm-hmm. you know? So, but all right, we'll see you later. You know, and then you walk out the door, but we have this diagnosis or degenerative disc disease or whatever it is. And, and what we did by giving that diagnosis is it, it, though well-intended again, you know, not to say it was inappropriate, but Every time I feel my knee, whether it's good or bad, whether it, whatever I, I sense in that knee tells me, oh, disability, I'm going to have to have my knee replaced or I'm not going to be able to walk. This is, you know, so, so though I'm, I'm not denying that there is sensation there, I think that so much of what we pin around that sensation, um, there's an emotional context that we don't address, you know, and so in the same way with like panic attacks, in, we have to kind of get connected to the grounding, to our breath, to the feet on the floor and just bring it out of that fear cycle that then propagates the panic. Mm-hmm. And so there's something true, you know, that really there's something to be afraid of and not to, you know, not to ignore or, or say, oh, you know, this is totally, you're making this up. There's something there, but that we can kind of be kindly curious in our body and take a moment of breath to just analyze what is happening with a little bit of grounding? 
mm-hmm. and say, see if we could maybe redirect or shift that through breath towards a different pathway. Would you also say that a lot of the things that we're sort of not wanting to feel are sort of because we place judgment on that and we lack a little bit of self-compassion? Absolutely. I was working with a patient today, actually, who struggled with weight, weight struggles for years and years and years. And, and it's, I think it's, it's so difficult because what she had made some very incredible changes. This is our our first visit, but she's done some absolutely amazing things. Uh, But I think what, you know, again, we have to meet the patients where they are. And, And we've had a lifelong struggle with weight and that goes along with negative self-talk that goes along with punishing and guilt. Every time I eat something, every time I think I want it, I crave it, then I give into it. Then I, then I struggle with guilt. Then there's this whole cycle around, you know, me being a bad person for this whole interaction. And so, you know, it's, it's, what we kind of talked about and what I think we have to recognize is that everybody's coming from a different place. You know, and we, and, and if I, as a doctor assume that I know, you know, well, you just got to stop eating sugar, you know, or whatever the situation is, I'm being so arrogant. Like, and I, you know, I, and I just, because I don't know what you're coming from. I don't know what trauma has in your past. I don't know what brought you to that moment. And I also, by saying something like that, though, of course I want to give the information. I, I don't, I don't want to create more negative self-talk because it's going to be like, of course, that's, I mean, I'm so stupid. I know, you know, and and it just feeds that back. So yes, I think that, that when we approach this, we need to do it in a sense of community, but also compassion and celebrating wins. And, and, you know, it's just, just that, I mean, we, we named uh, my, uh, our, our, our space. It's, it's, it's me and my health coach, you know, <laughs> the two of us, it is my true health, it's true health journey. And we, and we named it journey because it's about the journey. You know, it's not about the destination. Mm-hmm. It's about, it's about getting to know these struggles that we have and using them to become the finest version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if we don't take time with them, like in the yoga posture or whatever it is and breathe into them and recognize that, you know, I am struggling with this. How many other thousands of people that are listening to this podcast are struggling with anxiety and panic? And that, that to, to know what the journey of, of getting okay with that and to know that it's okay to sense this and that you are not alone in sensing that. And then to kind of figure out how can I just shift it from rather looking at it right here that makes me panic, just looking at it from over here that makes me find something interesting about it or something funny about it or, so, you know, something ironic, you know, just shift it so that we can perceive it a little bit different, but doing it with compassion um, is so important. Yes, I, I like what you said about it's okay. What are, were your observations with what people were experiencing last year? Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's, it's, it's fascinating because I've seen very clearly two groups of people and, and, and one is that, you know, people thriving. My sister's like, this is amazing. I'm so productive. I, you know, this is, you know, and it's just been great. And, and I have actually found it so incredibly freeing, though I am very, so like, I'm a very, not an introvert. At the same time, what's been freeing about it is limiting the unnecessary commitments that that you find you're doing and you do, you know, like, you know, you're booked. Yeah. You know, like I had to take my kids to Taekwondo and then yes. I had this and I, and then I'm at the grocery store and then I'm, and then your whole day is, is done. And now 
it's, it's freed me from a lot of this unnecessary things that were distracting me from my purpose and from the most important things. So I think for, for, I, and I've heard this from many patients too, that it's been, you know, it's been great if they can continue doing the most important things to them. And it's been great to kind of um, focus in on those most important things and get rid of some of the extraneous things. That's just great. I like, you know, Costco delivers to my door. I get like, like endless frozen blueberries. <laughs> it's just amazing. So, so that I think is one group of people that have actually, and, and, and I think that's a significant group and, and it's not to minimize that there's been obviously a lot of heartache and there's been a lot of jobs lost and loved ones lost and, and a horror from this pandemic, but there's actually been something I, I did a, a webinar the other day for um, I do employee wellness webinars and, and it was on resilience during the time of the pandemic. And, and so, the, and the idea was really to say, you know, this is an opportunity. It's that same, the obstacle is the way, if you've ever read that book, where if we see this as an opportunity, if we see cha change, not as a, oh, I just want it to go back to how it was, but rather as an, an inspiration to not go back to how it was, but to actually refine and figure out what now we can change because no time ever in our known history, you know, that I have been alive for anyway, have we had such an incredible opportunity to change what needs to be changed, you know, and I, and I hope the medical system can do something with this, you know, it's like hit rock bottoms. And it was like, now let's talk about a healthcare, not a sick care system. Like this is an opportunity. So, so, you know, that, that's kind of one group that I think has actually really thrived through it. And, and then there's another group. And I, and I think, you know, especially people that already struggle with anxiety, with mental health problems. And of course, people just overrun by stress and now having to homeschool and to, you know, they've lost their jobs perhaps and, and all of these things. And, and that's been um, really a major struggle in addition to um, the sleep. There is actually COVID, COVID somnia now. Have you heard of that? No, actually I haven't. Not being able to sleep, maybe from stress? It's just the change that's occurring with sleep um, as a result of the pandemic, some of it, you know, the infection itself causes inflammation can impair your sleep, but, but I don't think that's the main thing. I think what's interesting and what we're seeing in the trends with sleep is that uh, people are going to bed later and they're waking up mm, later. I see. Okay. Not everyone, but especially younger people and those, those night owl types that have historically been punished because jobs still run on, on morning lark hours, you know, that, that especially those people. But as, as a result, I think, um, it, and there's also been a, a significant effect in sleep because of anxiety, mm -hmm. of course. And, and, and I, and what I've seen a lot in my patients is that because of all the screen time that we have, you know, knowing that that's a major player in our sleep, um, uh, in our ability to sleep, you know, blue light is, is the single strongest impeder of our melatonin, mm -hmm. which is like the, the the referee that kicks off the sleep game, you know, mm -hmm. and, and there's a, um, an estimated 90 minute delay in melatonin surge from the shutoff of blue light. And then you think, but all my work, all, all of my everything, all my interactions, all, all of my talking to people is all on this blue light. And, and to compound that, or I'm scrolling and I'm looking at the COVID numbers and the death rates and I'm like, ah, and then I try to go to bed. 
you know, and not only have I just, you know, screwed up with the blue light and my brain thinking I'm supposed to be awake because I have the strongest light in existence shining on me and I don't know what to do, but I'm also kind of panicking because I'm afraid everyone's going to die, you know, because this is what we're reading about. It, it's, um, and then know that, that in, if we have insufficient sleep, there's a physical change in the brain that is unable to shut off our anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is like, triple, if not more compounding impact on sleep, mm-hmm. which is unfortunately, I, I think it's a, it's, that is a really strong impeder of optimal health, of our ability to engage, of our mm-hmm. mental health, of our hormonal balance, of our weight gain, you know, all of the things I, I think is, is um, so, so I think sleep needs to be brought up and talked about much more than it is. Um, mm-hmm in general and, and giving people support around how to shift their sleeping habits, you know, knowing that um, it can make a such massive difference in the way we perceive our life. Mm -hmm. Um, So it sounds like we really need to establish routines and keep them going. And for people that just kind of perhaps are retired and not working, kind of finding a sense of purpose. Do you think the blue light glasses are actually effective? I think they're better than nothing. You know, I think it also plays a role in what exactly we're doing um, right before bed in terms of brain stimulation, et cetera. But but blue blockers, I think think are are valid, but sometimes I think they're uh, um, a a band-aid and we need to kind of you know, yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. if it's at all feasible, we need to really work on a wind down hour. We need to we need to shut the screens off because what we're typically doing on the screens is either is is not necessarily part of that self care that we need to see. You know, and maybe yes. it can be fifteen minutes, thirty minutes. You know, um, in a gradual growth away from the blue light um, blockers, but actually significantly just without screens and see if you can make that bigger. But in the meantime, you know, after dinner, I think it's, it's a a good thing. We want to cultivate the most natural cues, you know, is it bright daylight in the daytime, get outside Mm -hmm. if you can, and then start, start um, orange red light or, or shutting down the lights, cutting them in half a few hours before Mm -hmm. bed as much as we can. Recently, Dr. Michael Greger came out with a video on the science behind forest bathing. So when Dr. Greger addressed it, I said, well, this is, you know, we just got to encourage people that there's science behind spending time in nature and just detaching from all of this. And I think maybe, you know, people are, have more time than ever to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and just see it as an opportunity, you know, and just say, you know, because we are, you know, some people might say trapped in the house with our family, other people, you know, you could say this is a great opportunity to go and get in nature with your family and see what what we could start that would actually be be improving our health. That's yes. really cool. Yeah. So Dr. Bazzoni, I want to make sure I don't forget anything because there was so much I wanted to cover with you. Um, but uh, if you can kind of tell our listeners, um, you know, your website, how, social media, how they can get a hold of you, and also if they want to sign up for any of your online programs. Yes, thank you so much. So, so our website is mytruehealthjourney.com. And you can see our events uh, under there. And we have, so we're, 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 we have so far scheduled um, two more kickstarts. We've got the kickstart one plant-based kickstart 101, which really dives into the foundation of a plant-based diet, how to make it balanced. How does it, you know, we talk about the gut biome, we talk about 
Um, how does it compare to other diet trends, et cetera, and, and give all the how-to to get started, or even if you're very much on the journey and you want the data and the tools on, on uh, when people say, but how could you give up that? Or, or you know, what, do you, what about protein and all those things? So we really dive into that, um, and it really applies to anywhere on your journey. And, and then we do the 201 and, and we will be running that March 3rd through March 29th is the next one that's scheduled. It's all virtual. Um, it's from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, but videos and all the stuff is available um, for three months. So you can do it at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do the 201, which is food is medicine. And we go into specific topics. So, so the topics we have, we're actually running one right now and finishing that mm-hmm. up, but we're doing heart disease, vascular health, inflammation, and spine and joint pain, um, mind and, and mood. So we mm-hmm. go into Alzheimer's and, um, and, and the role of nutrition in mood. And then the last one is weight loss. And so those topics might change depending on if there's demand. And so we encourage people to, if they want to sign up to write us, um, and, and it's my true health journey at gmail.com and, and request, uh, what they want to make sure is included when we do that 201. So, um, I have plenty of time and I'll try to incorporate it into the talks if there's enough evidence to do that. Um, so, so that's in April 14th through, through May 10th. Um, and I have, you know, Instagram and Facebook is all my true health journey. Um, I, I work through yoga landing and I'm doing their yoga anatomy for injury prevention, um, uh, with their yoga teacher training and that's yogalanding.net. Um, and there's an inversion workshop, February 5th through 7th, um, that will have all of us as virtual, um, attendance as well. So, so that's pretty fun. And, um, it just kind of fun because I have actually three kids, um, five, seven and 10. Yes. (laughs) Just make sure I got that right. Five, seven and 10. And, and so my sister and I, my sister is an incredible artist and, and author um, of children's books. And so we wrote one together that's called Lucy Kate and the, and the, the yummy rainbow. And so it's, it has in it, uh, it's just a story of, of poor Pedro pig and how he's feeling really bad. And he starts eating more whole plants and starts feeling better. And there's activities in it. It's about for ages six to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can buy that on Amazon, but it, it has a game in the back and it has, it's just activities and coloring sheets as well as a story that goes through it. And all the pictures are illustrated by my sister. So I'm glad that you covered your children's book. Well, I'll include all of your links on the show notes as well. And, um, do you have one tip of how uh, people can just kind of get started on a healthier lifestyle? Three things that I would um, encourage. And, and one, when I work with patients, I always really try to connect them to purpose and to know why they want to live longer and what matters most to them. Mm-hmm. And to know that health is not the end point, though that's often why they come to me, but it's a pivotal means to get to that why. And it's driven by our lifestyle. So as we connect with purpose, number one, and then find what we're ready to do, not what we think we should do or what we were told to do, but what we are truly ready to do. 
is where we really need to focus in and create community around that readiness. So, so that's kind of the three major points that I think in order to succeed, because it can be incredibly overwhelming. Oh God, I've got to now work on time-based eating and blah, blah, you know, so all of these things. So just choose a couple of very simple steps and, 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 and create a community around it. Tell a friend or your spouse or whatever who can support you in those changes and remember why you're doing it, which is not to get to a certain weight or a blood pressure, but to be more engaged in what matters most to you. And that I think is, is probably the most important thing to begin a journey to true health. Well, thank you, Dr. Susanna Bazzoni for your time today. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been so fun. I really, I really appreciate it. Namaste. You've been listening to the Plant-Based DFW podcast show. If you like our content, please like, share, and leave a review. Our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community.